0: Crystal Man. Crystal Man. week and mark hello I also, just myself hi yasmin is yeah yasmin going to our party.
1: <laughs> well <laughs> to ever no, have a
0: laugh with someone else <laughs> she's actually
1: lying it's because um much like not to you know stereotype egyptian people but she uh kept two ginger twins as prisoners and then gouged out one of their eyes oh, yeah. and then came to punish her <laughs> that. And
0: th- and now she's like the mother of all vampires. So yeah, yeah no, that's
1: the same reason any Egyptian people are late or don't show up for anything. Again, <laughs> I know you shouldn't stereotype, but it's just always the case, isn't
0: it? It is, especially at this time of year, just always <laughs> happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we were going to be talking about Stephen King and the, myth of, the myths of Stephen King novels, but unfortunately our vampire queen Anne Rice died and... We thought we would do like a little special podcast in honor of her passing because yeah, big like, fans and we're very she sad. had to steal Stephen King's thunder. But somehow she knew, <laughs> like
1: <laughs> <laughs> she did it deliberately. She was like, "Oh, <laughs> we're doing an episode on Stephen King this week. I'll die. Then, then let's okay. see, do an episode on him. <laughs> yeah, and you know everyone what? will
0: forget about him." You're right, Anne. <laughs> but yeah, she she had a big impact in my life, and her name isn't actually Anne or at her, her her real name's Howard. Funnily enough, did you I know that?
1: Did not know that.
0: She changed it to Anne herself, because she thought, well, Howard's not the best name for, like, but
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> that is rather, I didn't know you could get women called Howard. It, it's not very um, feminine, a is a
0: name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, was her dad called Howard? Her mother's, well, her maiden name was O'Brien, so she grew up in New Orleans. She was born there, and... Her family were. I think her mother was from I- Irish Catholic, very religious. And her father. I've I
1: absolutely no notes this week. I just kind of No, got I've
0: got not really a lot of notes. We can just generally discuss like her novels and how much of an impact they've had, and our interest in the supernatural and myths. Because I learn a lot from her novels, a lot. Yeah. To open eyes to also like thinking about people in a different way because. In a lot of way, her vampire novels spoke to outsiders and people within the LGBTQ community as well. Like I don't know if you you can speak for them. I'm not. Like I mean, I'm I suppose I'm the B part of that.
1: I um, <laughs> like well, to like I'm not. Well, I'm one of the letters. Yeah, <laughs> <but I'm an
0: laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> but I did feel like an outsider, and and I, it, her vampires appealed to a lot of them because they are sort of on the outside and they transcended gender and sexualities as well yeah you
1: know? I think it is interesting that like along with my obsession with x-men but obviously I was obsessed with x-men and like vampire yeah. specifically and Rice's vampires when I was younger and I suppose they're both like allegories for being queer and being gay and I'm like yes yeah, it is its She definitely had a big impact on me and obviously her books had a huge impact on me. But I think it's really interesting because I think before I'd kind of realised anything about my own gender or sexuality, her books still really appealed to me and the kind of subtext in it really appealed to me, even though I didn't really get why it was appealing to me, if that makes sense.
0: I think it appeals to them because they say, well, if if you're an outsider, how can God create create you as someone as an outsider then you belong as well. Yeah, like if vampires were real
1: then, God made
0: Made them. So therefore then then it would be acceptable under God to be like queer or something or just different.
1: I think even all of her sort of like her views on like LGBTQ people and LGBTQ representation and then, as you said, like her her family being really Catholic and Her kind of views on... Because obviously she left the Catholic Church, didn't she, when she was...
0: She... Yeah, when she was a teenager, she left the Catholic Church because she said that her mother was very religious, so they were very, like, made to go to church every day, like, you know, like, take the Mass and take it very seriously. And she was told not to kiss boys before she got married and things like that. And she felt like, why would the church shame me like this or um and then i think when she got more into like at uni and stuff like she started reading more books and she sort of thought well how come uh, she couldn't accept that the catholic church would be so against like f- human rights i don't know yeah. like feminism and things like that so she decided that it just wasn't it wasn't for her and god wasn't real um but then later on yeah, she be- she was basically a, a pretty big atheist by the point where she met her husband, Stan, who was also an atheist. And then she had her daughter, Michelle, and she died, of, sadly, of leukaemia at age six. And I think that's what led her to write Interview with the Vampire, because it was a lot about grief yeah, and sadness. But she said at the time in an interview that she didn't realise that she was channeling her grief through Claudia, who was Child Vampire and in Interview with Vampire. She didn't really think about it as her daughter, Michelle, until later on that people said, well, that's obviously your daughter, Michelle, isn't it, that, that died of leukaemia. She just thought it would be good to put in, like, a child vampire for these two men to look after.
1: I that's really interesting, interesting like, as well that I'm saying, like, when I read her books, I didn't really get the, like, subtextual part of it, but then she didn't get some of the old subtext of her book, which I suppose is, is strange that, like, yeah, they're, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but just yeah. interesting that, obviously... <laughs> you know what appeals to you or you know what if you're a writer what appeals to your sensibilities when you're writing and yet you're kind of writing things or reading things without really realizing they're there yeah. which is a lot harder as a writer
0: i never got a biography of Anne rice to be fair the only one that i got was by katherine ramsland who also she did have a biography written about her i had the vampire companion which was just basically all like an encyclopedia of all the different characters and themes within all the books up yeah. until nemox the devil with regards to her religion religious views she she sort of in an interview in 1996 that i watched no it wasn't 1996 it was 1993 so it was just before *Interview the vampire in the movie came out so she was still not happy about tom cruise being cast <laughs> so as that she was totally against him being cast as because She didn't feel like it was like right for the role which I can kind of understand at the time because if I was her and you see Tom Cruise he doesn't look anything like you wouldn't think that he would be a good Lestat to be honest he's small Lestat's six foot one he's got like beautiful blonde hair yeah you wouldn't think Tom Cruise would fit that role but she did apologise afterwards and she spoke to Tom Cruise and said that, actually, yeah, I-, I felt like you did a brilliant job. I'm really sorry, but I hate campaigning against
1: I mean, I think, like, <laughs> uh, as much as I don't want to compliment Tom Cruise. I you
0: hate know, Tom Cruise, it's but he yeah, is good enough. She, she was interviewed in 1993 and he, the interviewer asked her about her views on religion. And she says, yeah, well, I feel like a little bit different about it now because... I feel like being a staunch atheist when I was like, younger was maybe a bit cocky of me, a bit arrogant and cocky, because I think there is something out there, but I just don't know what. But I still don't, I don't think she still at that point went back to the Catholic Church. She only no, no, went
1: back. I was going to I was gonna say, I was also um, listening to an interview with her um, mm-hmm. about like the current Pope that I thought was really interesting because she was saying that,
0: that was in twenty ten when she yeah. again left the Catholic Church because of her son being gay, basically.
1: But like the when the current Pope took over, she was talking about how she thought it was like a good move for the Catholic Church because he is like obviously not homophobic and not racist and not sexist and he kinda says that the whole point of being a Catholic is to help other people because, you know, if Jesus was well not if Jesus was real, but if Jesus was really the son of God that that's what he wanted was just for people to help others and that she kind of thought, not that she was necessarily going to convert back to being a Catholic or a Christian or religious in any way, but just that she thought that that was a like better way to become an religion and she thought it, was, it would be like a better religious group for it, having a leader that was all about equality and that was kind of her issue with Catholicism, which would then link into what you were about to say about her son.
0: Well, she went back to religion after her husband Stan... Died of a brain and tumor in 2002. And I felt like she, I felt a bit portrayed as a teenager, as an atheist myself, because I loved those vampires because they didn't give a shit about God and that God had nothing to do with the religion. You know, the traditional vampires yeah. with the crosses and feeding religion had fuck all to do with those vampires themselves. So that appealed to me. And then when she started sort of putting religion into it, like with Tale of the Body Thief, it kind of started with that, with the nun. Remember the nun who that banged as a human?
1: I've not read Tale of the Body Thief.
0: How have you not read that, Mark? It's amazing. It's such a good book, but that part that kind of annoyed me. You've got to read it. It's an amazing book. The first four books in the series of the Vampire Chronicles, I would say, are the best. And then after that, mm, not so much.
1: To be fair, banging a nun isn't necessary. <laughs> a like, you know, sanctified religious act.
0: But it's it's what happens afterwards, um which I, I really probably shouldn't. I don't know if I should spoil it, but fuck it. So the nun starts. Wait, so he she doesn't know that he's a vampire in a human body, right? So tale of the body. is basically a body swap novel. It's so a Bobby body. Bobby body. A body swap story.
1: You know, right
0: right here, here. So yeah, basically like that. This guy Raglan James comes to Lestat and says, "By the way, um, he was a member of Talamasca, which is like a a supernatural investigative sort of like the X Files, but not. They're like a secret society of invest paranormal investigators called Talamasca, based in England. And he was friends with David Talbot, who's pals with Lestat or whatever. And he says to Lestat, um, do you want to be human? Because I can help you with that. I can I can swap spirits with you, so we can swap bodies. But it was all a trick. Now yeah, that you're
1: saying all of this, I feel like maybe I did read Tale of the Body piece, but I maybe haven't reread it. I think I maybe read it when um, I was like 19, and I've never read it again. But carry on. This is ringing a bell now. You're right. So about it. so
0: he sw- so he says, Alright, hey, okay, I'll do it." And he swaps with Lestat's body. As soon as he has Lestat's powerful vampire body, he fucks off basically and leaves them with nothing. So, like, what are you going to do? I've got your body now, and it's all powerful. So, it was just a trick. You'd I thought you would not say, so what back. are you to do?
1: Be fucked a nun.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Lestat... Does anyone
1: do doing that situation?
0: Lestat in this young man's body. So I don't know. It's a bit like Wonder Woman. It's, it's weird. I know it's weird saying, comparing it to Wonder Woman, you know, the Wonder Woman sequel, 1984, yes. where she wishes <laughs> for dangerous. Steve to come back. Yeah. But he doesn't come back. He's basically him inside of some poor bastard's body yeah he like possesses it's like where's his (laughs) spirit where's the actual guy during all this time do you know what i mean yes so i don't know what what the hell happened to the the poor guy that that starts in this this boy's body i think he's about 20 or 21 or whatever maybe 25 i'd say like an anglo sort of indian looking guy and uh, so Lestat, basically, he's stuck in this human body. He tries to go to Louis, who's his, like, vampire lover. And Louis, like, attacks him and says, fuck off. You've got this uh, opportunity to be a human and be redeemed and all that. And he's yeah, raging because really. he's like, Louis won't turn him back into a vampire because he hates being human. He's like, this actually sucks balls. I don't want to <laughs> do it. It's horrible. I forgot how shit being a human is. <laughs> so he burns down Louis' shack in revenge because Louis has been a prick. And then he ends up just having to like use his wits about him to become like to to survive as a human. And he ends up sick because he doesn't know how to like, he doesn't have a coat or anything and it's cold. He's starving and he, this nun takes pity on him and takes him in and looks after him after he collapses. He bangs some waitress as well that took pity on him. (laughs) 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 Of course, the first thing he wants to do is like,
1: for Thanks. anyone that's big would like to him. <laughs> no.
0: Well actually he he said to Raglan before he transferred him into the human body, he said, By the way, I've made sure that my bladder is full for you and my bills, so that you can experience doing a shit and a piss for the first time in three hundred two hundred years.
1: Okay. <laughs> no
0: He said it was disgusting.
1: I'm slightly confused that he's going around like pumping loads of women, considering that when he was human, arguably he was like in love with Nikki, and then he well, became a the... Was in love cause... with Louis. I'm aware he can be bi, but I'm just like, why is he not shagging?
0: Well, because pipe? it wasn't a guy that you just took the opportunity when it presented itself. I don't know. Okay. And he wanted to bang a nun. That's a very start thing to do, isn't it? Not to
1: speak ill of the dead, but I just think I should have made him bang a waitress and then a priest. But, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but later on in the novel when he gets his body back – oh, no, no, he doesn't. He's still in the young – he's still in the human body. But David Talbot, he he, he gets him to help him because, like, he's, like, he knows this other guy that was in the Talamasca. So he's like, David, you need to help me because you didn't. I really need your help getting my body back. So David's like, okay. But then, like, David's like a 60-year-old man, bear in mind. And while he's still in his human body, he says to David, right, come on, let's bang. And Dave's like, no, we've got better things to... I don't have time for this right now.
1: But well, that's an insane thing to
0: <laughs> and, um, I'm glad he's Ruby, at least trying
1: to also bang men in it.
0: He did try and bang David's Talbot in his human form, so hopefully that makes you feel a bit better about it's, the whole thing.
1: <laughs> it's really redeemed the entire novel that I can't really remember reading for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, because a part of it's set on the QE2 as well and um, unfortunately Lestat in the process of getting his body back David pushes David Talbot pushes Raglan James out of Lestat's body and ends up in the young boy's body that Lestat was in because his body gets basically mortally wounded so his old body dies and now he's stuck inside the the young guy so he's like, he was 60, but then he's but he's in a young body and they couldn't save his old body. So he's stuck there. That's weird, isn't it? It's
1: weird, but also sounds ideal. I feel like when I get to 60, I'd like to just re- revert back to being 22 and then just keep going again.
0: I think that's what Raglan James was doing because he was an old guy. But to preserve his life, he was basically pushing young boy's souls out of their holes. No, not holes. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all sunny. Son of <laughs> there, God
1: sorry. I pushed that so loud, so his <laughs> <cool>. He
0: <laughs> the troll toll. Oh. So he was doing that. He was pushing souls out of young men's bodies and then going into them, probably through their hole. I don't know.
1: The <laughs> <I, you laughs> only way that makes sense.
0: Up through the arsehole into the heads, <laughs> or is it through the head down into the arsehole? I don't know. I think it was described in the novel. <laughs> How you do it? <laughs> God. So he was constantly doing that so when that body got no use to him he would leave that one and go into another young man man's body but i think he picked one specifically for Lestat to be enticed by um to take over so anyway David Talbot's in this body now and Lestat pays him, repays him for all his help by basically forcing him into being a vampire. Against as well, like what happened to him when he was a young man. Mm-hmm. It's quite, um, it's quite rapy like because he does. He quite sexual as well, because he the way he does it is that he forces his mouth into like basically bite his tongue nearly off while sucking the blood out of him, and that way, and then they have a fight or whatever.
1: I mean, if that was consensual, then that would be quite hot.
0: Yeah, well, so now David Talbot's a vampire, but he's in a young vampire body rather than his old body. Anyway, we, we focus quite a lot on Tale of the Body Thief rather than Anne Rice.
1: <laughs> it confused me because they're because of the whole like vampires have no soul thing, but that's also part of Anne Rice. No, they do. Yeah, yes, they do. Because I was like... Well, they sure do,
0: they ghost have ghost? ghosts. There's
1: yeah, ghosts of like vampires. Soul or ghost or whatever you want to call it, is pushed out your body. Yeah, it's, but it's not just the body that's a vampire; is it? it is the soul as well. Because there's the whole. Is that not why in Anne Rice novels, like they can't drain a body until it's dead or drain a dead body because
0: it's dead. There's no life in the blood anymore, so there's no point. It makes them sick, I think.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Anyway, her name. She was born Howard Allen Francis O'Brien, um, in October fourth, nineteen forty-one.
1: Howard um, Allen Francis O'Brien.
0: Yeah, that was her.
1: Different. Sounds like a very Irish man. She sounds like she should have been a, <laughs> yeah. a fat ginger guy that works in a farm.
0: <laughs> like her early life, she was born in New Orleans and she was the second of four daughters of parents of Irish Catholic descent. Or, oh, her dad was called Howard. So she was named yeah. after her father, Howard O'Brien and Catherine K. Alan O'Brien, her mother was an alcoholic as well. She had a big alky problem, which Anne it also ends up being an alcoholic shortly after her daughter died. I suppose like that must she be the tough time for either. her. Yeah, her father was a naval veteran of World War Two and a lifelong resident of New Orleans. He worked as a personal executive, or oh, he was a postman for the U.S. Postal Service, and he offered a novel called *The Impulsive Imp*, which was published posthumously. Yeah. Um, her oldest sister Alice also became an author of fantasy, of historical romance novels. I'm sure one of her sisters also has written werewolf werewolf novels. I'm sure she has because I'm sure my sister said that she read some of them, but I wasn't really interested in werewolves. I didn't think Anne Rice was, but then she later on, late like, in like the last ten years or so, published the Wolf Gift, so she did end up. And I thought I was a bit shit because like her sister does werewolf novels. Could you not just yeah. say, back off, bitch? <laughs>
1: you've got your own creatures (laughs) creatures you're writing about
0: about her male given name Rice said well my birth name is Howard Allen because apparently my mother thought it was a good idea to name me Howard my father's (laughs) name was Howard she wanted to name me after Howard and she thought it was a very interesting thing to do she was a bit of a bohemian a bit of a mad woman a bit of a genius and a great deal of a great teacher and she had the idea of naming a woman Howard was going to give that woman an unusual advantage in the world. Um, I feel like that's
1: just something nice you would say about your alcoholic mother instead of saying, like, i yeah. are oh, mad. But.
0: but she said that Rice became Anne on her first day of school when a nun asked her what her name was. She told the nun Anne, which she considered a pretty name. Her mother, who was with her, let it go without correcting her, knowing how self-conscious her daughter was of her real name. From that day on, everyone she knew addressed her as Anne, and her name was legally changed in 1947. I mean, fair enough. I mean howard's not exactly the best name no. to have she was confirmed in the catholic church when she was 12 years old and took the full name howard allen francis alphonsus liguri o'brien adding the names of a saint and of an aunt who was a nun i think at one point she said that she wanted to be a nun and stuff like when she was younger before she became an atheist so, which is
1: interesting because in um, interview is louis's brother Louis. not wanting to become a priest and then yeah endowed. yeah
0: he wanted to build an oratory, which is like a, a well, some sort of a place where you would put like the Catholic what's it called the cross and all of that stuff, like is somewhere it, you like a uh, private place where you work revenge. worship. Tabernacle, tabernacle. You should know about this. I don't know where, where you put out. the sacraments. Yeah. 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 And he and Louis was like, "What are you doing? This isn't you." Like, I think he, he eventually became. A bit mental about it, didn't he? Started thinking that Jesus was like
1: was, talking to him, and he said, that, to him. he said that like Jesus is communicating with him, and has said that like Louis had to sell all of the family land and give all the money to him to build. Yes,
0: a, and he a giant out, tabernacle. Yeah, tabernacle, he auditory. Didn't Louis destroy his tabernacle auditory thing to try and like basically snap him out of it, which yeah. obviously backfired. And then he decided that he was he, he somehow killed killed himself. You think like he was he was so overtaken by the Jesus Jesus by the Jesus by the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she also like Rice had um Anne Rice had like problems like health problems. I remember this like because I started getting into Anne Rice roundabout. Probably first year in school, so 1990, or maybe second year, so maybe 1999, I think, is when I started getting right into it. Because it was my sister that introduced me to the film Interview of the Vampire, and then that that blew my mind because I was always into, like, Dracula and Christopher Lee and all those kind of vampires, and I'd never seen a film that was like that, that from the point of view of the vampire before. Yes. It was always the point of view of the victims or the persecutors of the vampires Although I always sympathised with Christopher Lee's Dracula, I always thought why I hated it when he got killed and I was on his side. Because <laughs> he seemed quite charismatic and hot. I was It was interesting to see it from the point of view of them. So I started looking into it and I happened to get like a, a biography of Tom Cruise. Because I didn't know it was a book until I read the biography of Tom Cruise. And it mentioned, like cause I flipped forward to the interview with Vampire bat bit when he was listed at. And then it said, oh, based on the book, Vampire Chronicles. So then I phoned up my local library and that's how I'm, I managed to get hold of the book. And then it was just from the start, like carried on from there. That's how I when got I in, didn't, I didn't know
1: Because I also loved the film when we were in school. And obviously I didn't it. know about the books until you told me there were books.
0: Mm, yeah. So I sort of spread it like a vampire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the the first conversations we probably had in school, strangely, was about interview with the vampire. And I was talking about how much I loved the film. And then you were like, oh, have you read the books? And I said, I didn't know there were any books. I think I might have learnt you them. No, you you bought me a copy of... Oh, the Vampire.
0: Dada. Oh, God, I can't remember any of this. (laughs) It's terrible. She... No,
1: yeah, yeah. So I suppose that's another thing that um, Anne has done. She's brought us closer together.
0: It's... it's, Like, when we... To take it back to the LGBTQ plus community... Yes, a lot yeah. of them perceive their vampire ca- characters as allegorical symbols of isolation and social alienation because they are the vampires, aren't they? They're sort of outcasts from society, they're hidden yeah. in the dark, they're, you know, but then they're wondering, should, am I moral? And things? And a lot of gay people probably think that, you know, Um, and if they're accepted under God, then why can't they? I think Maybe. like
1: even Louis and Lestat are like clearly a couple, but then yeah, there's the whole, I mean, Louis kind of pisses me off a bit, because I feel like he is very, like, he's almost an allegory for gay oh. people that are, like...
0: In the closet, um, don't I admit?
1: Not very even rich. that, it's very, like, that sort of people that are, like, I've accepted who I am, and I can come to terms with it, but I know deep down that it's wrong, and it's, like, yeah. Um, and then... Where's
0: Lestat just embraces it all? He doesn't yeah. give a shit.
1: He's, like, Elton John. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Finally, Elton John did write a musical, the Lestat the musical, which you can watch on YouTube, it's actually quite like
1: it i did she, not know that that's wonderful i yeah. think um gabrielle as well
0: yes she's trans she's basically a cross dresser but, but then i find-
1: it really interesting that another interview that i saw with Anne, and when she was asked about like why she thought like our sort of thoughts on like the trans community also embracing much like the like gay lesbian bi community embracing um the chronicles and they'd said oh what do you think about like, trans people embracing it, and she was, they basically said, oh, like, she, like, advocates for trans rights, and they'd said, oh, do you know a lot of trans people, and she said, no, well, only know a couple of trans people, but the trans people I know are very, very nice, and then she basically said that she, she didn't say she was queer, but she was effectively, like, I've never really felt like I'm a woman, but I don't feel like I'm a man either, like, I feel like I'm somewhere in between, it's never really sat well with me, like, being I think female as such. And I think well, that's I think for...
0: Gabrielle's character was really interesting because she was basically a woman of her time in the eighteenth century. She married she was an aristocrat and she had to be basically the obedient wife and mother. Like that's all her job role was, and she felt like she she was more than that. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? When when Lestat she said she was never really she never really wanted to be a mother or anything like that. She was more of an intellect. But and her husband was horrible, wasn't he? <laughs> he was yeah, so when she was ill and sick and stuff, then she was like, "Please make me a vampire. That's all I want, and I don't care." Just I she was actually one of the better vamp. She was one of the better vampires, I would say, who took to it more. As Lestat even said that she was more vampire, like more of a vampire than he was? Like, because he, yeah. he was he was still quite feeling guilty about having to kill people, and that where she didn't give a shit. She seen it as complete freedom, complete freedom from misogyny or being scared of the dark or being scared of men or being weak she's seen that as a strength you know yeah they elevated her and that's why she cast aside all her like corsets and everything and dressed up in men's clothing because it was a symbol of her absolute freedom to do whatever the fuck she wanted as a woman yeah like i think
1: all of that's like you can read None her as of that mattered. trans but you can also read it as being queer but you can also read her as being like a woman but a woman who's kind of like a feminist allegory that she's just yeah. like, fuck it, I'll like I can still be a woman and be who I want and do what I want, and I don't need like society mm-hmm. or men to tell me what to do or to permit me to do things.
0: Plus, Lestat also had an incestuous really, well, <laughs> incestuous relationship with his own mom in a way, in a way he did.
1: I suppose that's the weird thing with like a re- she as my favorite character probably i love the her and i really yeah. like their relationship but yeah i suppose the thing is if you perceive vampire relationships as being like sex or being like i don't know psychosexual, like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're not sexual as such but it's almost like that's how a vampire would have a relationship so yeah then i suppose it's weird because it's like well that works for all of the relationships in the book except for the two of them because yeah it's then like well Technically means Again, are.
0: I think it's just Lestat breaking taboos yet again because he loves to break the rules and he's, he's outside of humanity. So then, him having a relationship with his mother, who's no longer really his mother in a way, well, she yeah. is, but she's transformed into a, a vampire. So she's outside of humanity as well. Therefore, it doesn't really matter. Which made me think, as a ch- like when he was younger, like a teenager made me think differently about people. It made me see people in a different way. Not that I would have sex with my parents or anything. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that it made me look at people as human beings rather than labels. You know, even people I hated, it made me think differently about them.
1: Yeah, like everyone has kind of... Again, things that are put upon them by society that you ye yeah. can react to in certain ways or that make you act in certain ways. And I suppose a lot of people who have like shitty, like what we call now like toxic behaviors, mm-hmm. it's because they're trying to force themselves into a box that yes. they really fit in.
0: And they couldn't see what I could see. They couldn't see the the beauty in everything or in everyone and, and that everyone's connected in a way and that there is no really any kind of black or white. By, like you know what
1: i mean yeah and i think considering when she started <laughs> writing that's really interesting as well because i think that's almost seen as a kind of like new extreme left-wing liberal media, bloody bloody black kind of look way of looking at things that like yeah as you say there is no binary in anything like binaries mm, are truly, truly I mean, in society. is mm-hmm. that's not what was in her books and also clearly from what she's saying about like her thoughts on gender and things like that it's obviously never really been
0: no and it also opened up my eyes to like different sexualities and that it doesn't actually matter who you love as long as they're a good person and doesn't matter what gender they are then love is love in my opinion and if you see that person if you see beauty in a person then it doesn't matter whether they're gay straight bi or whatever as long as you love them for who they are then putting labels on someone doesn't matter and that's what open my eyes reading her books to different cultures different different points of view than just being in the dark and looking through like <laughs> one way street you see know what i mean
1: even all of her characters are very layers because none of them are mm. she doesn't really have any characters that are like good or evil as such like oh, they all uh,
0: are have... was a bit mental wasn't well, she yeah but...
1: uh, I feel like our evil characters have aspects to them that you can almost understand, like, not well, that's necessarily... It, that's
0: why she wrote those books, because she she said in an interview that she was never interested in the victim. She was always interested in the point of view of the vampire, of the predator, of the monsters. Yeah. And she had sympathy with them, and she was always interested in, in their backgrounds.
1: Which I suppose but, is maybe what, like draws us again to writing because i think part of the reason that we both really like serial killers is it we, it's not like other people that we like the story of how the killer the killings took place and like how the detectives stopped them i'm always really interested in like what makes someone a serial killer
0: yeah yeah i'm not always look at i always always look at like bums in the street or, or kind of like you know like you see old tramps like old men or whatever, wondering about Glasgow. I used to think, Well, what's their story? They were young once. What what happened to them? Yeah, what's like, what's like? Them to... Yeah, exactly. Like you just try and see the you try to see deeper into people's lives rather than just assume that they've always been that way. I think it's interesting, yeah, that you bring up the serial killer thing because it's hard to sympathize with serial killers in a way, but then again, at what point did they turn the way they
1: did? Yeah, and what caused them to do that? Like, what were the events in their life that led up to them?
0: It's usually the moment. I mean,
1: a lot of serial killer stuff is like, and that's when he finally snapped. And it's like, yeah, but uh, what like, what happened when they were children? What happened when they were teenagers? What's going on in their lives to kind of bring them to that point? Because it's not just...
0: I mean, if you think of someone like Bundy, who's very charming, charismatic, handsome and everything. He had a girlfriend. He looked after her children. He even... Worked in an anti suicide hotline for a while with the author <laughs> Anne Rand, and she said she never imagined him to be yeah. a killer. So they can be very charming.
1: And again, I think she's got that whole sort of inner writing, all of her characters don't have like an entirely dark or an entirely light side. Like, even, um, what's his name that turns Lissat
0: Magnus, who's now Yeah, because
1: he's very like, is he not basically? I mean, not top of ten, talk of serial killers, like, he's a bit sort of um.
0: Well, he stole. He he basically forced that he he stole the vamp the, the the dark gift. It's called from another vampire. So he basically managed to get like a weakened vampire. I think there was a point where Marius put out the mother and father who were like the first vampires. So all the vampires are connected to the mother and father. But then there's a background story to that because Anne sort of started. She gave a whole origin story to so the vampires. A big she created her own mythos from ancient egypt with like cannibalism and like spiritual stuff but then she turned it into sci-fi she turned that explanation into sci-fi which i was just like really fuck's sake <laughs> have you not read the recent books mark
1: no i've not read them i know i always yeah that in they're crazy i <laughs> the was like no i have read that but no i've not read the more recent ones
0: so uh, marius who was the keeper of these to like original vampires he was told a story that people before the person before him that kept them got sick of looking after them so he decided to put them out in the sun to see what would happen but because he put them out in the sun every vampire around the world got burnt some didn't survive obviously if they were young some who were old just got burnt to a crisp and were severely maimed so i think magnus probably found one of these vampires tied it up and then basically drained himself and then took the blood out of it because he was ugly because like I see that's the thing in vampires world they don't make ugly people in <laughs> <laughs> they don't <laughs> so Magnus was as hideous alchemist and that's why he he basically where have I gone way off topic now like what where were you what were you what was your point about Magnus now well no <laughs> I it's the sort of
1: link between him and serial killers because then Magnus yeah. does become
0: Oh yeah, he starts killing like, all the know, same like, type of people. Yeah, he just basically eyes, like tracks right down blue eyes. Caught mm-hmm. blonde
1: guys and lures yeah. them back to his and then kills them.
0: Yeah, if he doesn't think they're worthy of the gift until he found Lestat and said, right, you're worthy of my, I'm going to kill myself now and you're going to be my heir. Carry on my work or whatever. Yeah. But then Anne turned him, that Magnus character, into a ghost. So... Lestat can talk to him. Which is like it's weird because the ghost there's ghost vampires. So like Claudia is technically a ghost now. And Merrick, Merrick was a witch who like Louis brought in to communicate with Claudia. But then when she did bring Claudia, she was just like a horrible like little bitch who wanted to kill Louis again. Wanted (laughs) to stab him. So that made Louis depressed and want to kill himself. But let's get into. It. I just want what we get into, like the myths of Anne Rice's novels, because we're we're talking a lot about the vampires. But she did talk. She has written about different types of supernatural creatures. Yes. So I don't know if you've read any of the other novels that she did. Like there was a Mayfair Witches. So she was she brought in witches. There was a guy who died in it called Michael, and then when he came back, he survived. He was brought back to life, basically. I Think he nearly drowned, and then when he came back from a life like a near life exp- near death experience he suddenly gained like the power to hold objects and what is it they call it psychometry where you hold an object and you can, you can
1: see its past
0: its past or anything associated with it. Yeah. And he thinks he got that because he you know he nearly he came back from the dead basically, which was interesting. And then that's how he became involved with the Mayfair witches for some reason. I don't know. I can't really read them all again because they had like I think only a witch could give birth to what was called a taltos, some sort of weird baby thing. I don't know what it was. baby
1: <laughs> thing.
0: Yeah, because she gave birth to it, but it was all like weird, and then it would grow up really quickly. Did you not read those? No, no, no. Okay, I've got them. I like your weird baby Again. thing description. And it was only it could only be a witch that gives birth to this thing, and it was Scottish as well, which I thought was cool. This character called Lasher. It was a spirit. It's basically a spirit that could only get birthed by a witch, and then it gives birth but it's like a really tall lanky with long limbs thing and you can have like
1: so it's like you're giving it form rather than yeah you're
0: giving it form but it's not quite human they've got long limbs i don't know i can't remember what the explanation was for them though about what they were mm-hmm. but only witches could give birth to these things and it wasn't like they they would be pregnant for like nine months or anything i think it was quite a a, a short gestation as well
1: is the witchcrafty <laughs> stuff in her books like kind of New Orleansy yeah. Yeah, it's voodoo? Yeah, it's
0: all set. It's all based on the house that she lived in in New Orleans. So she based it all on the house that she went back which she lived in San Francisco for a while with her husband, and then they moved back to New Orleans because she said she kept getting dreams. She kept having dreams about being back in New Orleans, but in the past, and that's what like basically inspired her to move back to New Orleans and set. So she lived in a
1: back to New Orleans she bought a haunted house didn't she she bought um
0: no well she said that the house was haunted that she lived in but she also bought an an ex nun nunnery I think it was an ex-catholic school called Saint Elizabeth's I think it was an orphanage or something and she bought that and she filled it with like loads of dolls that she collected and she also like had some of her relatives live there I don't know if she still owns Saint Elizabeth's Hmm. I'm not sure, but St. Elizabeth is, is in one of the Vampire Chronicles novels. I think it's, in, it's featured in Memoch the Devil, which I hate. I hated that, because, like I say, I felt betrayed, because she went, it was, Memoch the Devil is where Lestat meets God and the Devil, basically. The Devil takes Lestat to hell, and he basically, but then... Which, I, given
1: the earlier novels is nonsensical, because yeah. there's not, not a lot of emphasis in the earlier novels on how there basically is no God or the Devil.
0: Exactly. And that he gets shown, like he gets taken back to when Jesus was carrying his cross to be crucified and things like that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I, I just, I did read it. I read it once, and then I was like, I'm never reading that again. This is the whole point of
1: like the earlier, like the Armand appearances and the like chronologically earlier Armand appearances in the book. Not that he's like ridiculous because he's basically, he believes that he's no longer following God, he's following the devil because he's a vampire, but that's ridiculous because there is no God or devil. So then it seems odd to then have a later book where God and the devil are in it.
0: I don't know, but um, it was the book where Armand got inspired, like he thought that Lestat had genuinely met God or Jesus and then he went up and he killed him. He basically went into the sun. And I thought that was the end of Armand at that point. I was like, how can she kill off my favourite character? I was raging. And at the end... Lestat just goes into a coma because he's so distraught. He's got so, such trauma about having to run away from hell. Like he runs out of hell. But I think they are, when I've, I went back to it and I looked into it and it was actually what Anna herself said, that it, it's not that she was back with religion. It was that she wanted to, explore. she was exploring a lot of religious texts and it was actually about how God is a harmful to the earth. Like the, the devil's argument was that God is a problem and not Satan. mm mm-hmm. So I suppose I didn't I, I kinda let my anti-religion stance prejudice that and plus what happened in the book, it just didn't didn't really it didn't really be con- it wasn't consistent with how I felt about the characters in the previous novels when she brought religion into it. It pissed me off.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> but she brought back Armand and everything, so everything's fine. She walked it all back and basically she claimed that the Memo thing was just basically um, he doesn't know what Memmich was. He doesn't even know if it was really the devil or if it was just some sort of hallucination or or demon thing. He can't explain yeah, it. He it was doesn't actually believe him. It. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to look up what is Lasher in the Anne Rice world. If you got anything else you want to say about like myths and the vampire chronicles.
1: I mean, not really. I just think it's interesting that Again, her myths are not... But then when we say they're not the typical vampire myths as well, I suppose vampire mythology was kind of all over the place, as we discussed in one of our first episodes, and, like, ancient mythology, like, there was vampire mythology in most ancient pantheons, and the kind of things that we take as, you know, your canon vampire stuff, like crosses and Garlic and Steaks Through the Heart and all that, have just kind of been... Did they really come from Hammer Horror films more than anything? Probably. From what? Like the whole sort of aversion to crosses, aversion to holy water.
0: No, it goes back to, it goes back to like Byron and Mary Shelley and Dr. Polidori all telling each other ghost stories back in the early 1800s or late 18th century. Yeah. And Polidori started the whole vampire novel with basing it on Byron as an aristocrat. But at that point, he would, he would just be like a sexy aristocrat that was undead. He didn't quite he could walk around during the day i don't think he really he said something about how moonlight strengthens them and then it moved on to like carmila so Lefanu, or what they offer Lefanu sheridan Lefanu. he created the whole idea of being um, a aversion to religion Mm because carmila is a female vampire she's still an aristocrat and everything but she's also homosexual she only she only preys on ladies which was supposed to be quite shocking at the time for like Victorian times, because women are supposed to only bear fruit with men, you know what I mean? And be part of like the family and their job is to procreate in a normal heterosexual relationship or whatever. So the fact that she was a lesbian made her more monstrous. (laughs) And she was um, there was a scene in it where there was like a, a funeral procession and they were at procession and they were singing hymns. And she was like covering her ears saying, no, oh, I can't listen to that. It's, it's like screeching to my ears. And that was the first, It was the first reference to vampires in a novel where they were aversion to religion. And she was also exhausted during the day. So she wasn't quite, she didn't die during the day. Yeah. Like, she was exhausted and quite tired. And then it will, I think it wasn't until Bram Stoker who turned the vampire into not an well was still an aristocrat but he wasn't hot he was like kind of like animalistic yeah and more like a a like a fearful thing like a monstrous thing to be feared and it was like um something like a virus and he brought in the whole like aversion to crosses and stuff like that so i think it started with bram stoker i guess it's all over time so yeah i guess hammer horror really brought that took that from bram stoker
1: and then, I don't know, did she just kind of, like, pick and choose the, the best bits, I suppose, the bits that make the most sense? Even with you saying, like, vampirism and Bram Stoker's, like, a virus, but I suppose it is kind of like a virus in, like, Anne's books, isn't it? Well, in the because-
0: previous novels, like, Lord Reuven for the, the Byron thing, or Polidori and Carmilla, they didn't turn their victims into vampires, they just killed them
1: Yeah, they took
0: their blood, whereas Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula did turn... His victim was into vampires as well, so it's like an AIDS, like a virus, like an AIDS virus, a bloodborne virus, where it changes, it it re- duplicates whatever he is.
1: And with like Anne Rice, it's the, I can't remember the name of the demon, but the demon effectively is a virus, isn't it? It's like, turns dead... out,
0: yeah, well, it, the demon's called Amel. Yes. And he started drinking bits, that he could p- take pinpricks of blood out these two twin witches and show off to them so say, hey, well, I I saying, done. he Naz
1: murdered at the start of this episode <laughs> yeah
0: you <laughs> can feed off with those blood so what happened was this egyptian queen akasha was like interested in these twins about their 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 magic and stuff like that and she like email was basically a, a sort of like a sort of thing and she went in to find out what was going on with this portageous. it was uh, terrorizing this guy's house or something it was throwing stuff around And it attacked her. Like, no, she was killed. She was killed by her own people. I just remember this now. So she she was a bit of a tyrant. People didn't like her. So they killed her. They stabbed her loads and loads of times and her husband. And this spirit was hanging about. And it decided to go inside her wounds and basically fuse like a symbiote thing inside her and fuse with her blood. And that basically transformed her into the vampire. Vampire. But it turns out that later on in the later books, the more recent books that she'd written, Amel isn't a demon. He's actually the ghost of what we call a replamoid. Oh, no, he's an alien. He's an alien. He's not a replamoid. He's an actual alien.
1: Mm, Yeah, no, I don't like that as much.
0: He who created Atlantis. So he's an Atlantean. (laughs) (laughs) So he came from the the city of Atlantis and he made the the city like really modern and like quite like advantageously technologically advanced. And he created what they call replamoids and plasticination or something he came up with. So that's the reason why vampires... (laughs) It's so hard to explain. (laughs) If you haven't read it, it sounds mad.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm like...
1: not read the earlier books, (laughs) I don't really understand how you would get from (laughs) Atlantis to what happens in the books.
0: Because when Atlantis got destroyed, and it was an earthquake that destroyed it, the whole city... He died, and then his spirit was just aimlessly wandering around until he forgot who he was, and then he became Amel. And then, well, his name was always Amel, but then he became this sort of angry spirit that just wanted life again. And that's how he ended up inside of Kasha. And because he came up with some sort of material that he could create things from, that's how the vampires over time become, like, hardened. It doesn't really make sense. Does? No, but that's what she came. To, that's her sci-fi explanation. So it went from a supernatural like mythology to a sci-fi thing. A lot of the fans were divided over it. I think the whole aliens thing.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of an origin. I think as yeah. well that the original explanation didn't need that added backstory.
0: Well, because they they were all connected to email the mother, but then that ends up taking it on himself and he becomes friends with Emel because Emel talks to him and his brain and then Louis says to no I I think they said that we meet these little replamoids and they want to reclaim him back they've made a body for him a replamoid body and said that he can reside in this body and they want their leader back so they're like we can extract him from Lestat's brain and everyone's like yeah but wouldn't that kill everyone that would kill all the vampires yeah I was going to say
1: because how would that work because it's the whole point not supposed to be spread amongst all the vampires so yeah you wouldn't just need to cut them out of Lestat's brain you'd need to cut them out of every vampire
0: yeah but what they said was that they're all connected via a cord or something and if that cord is disconnected at any point then they're like so Louis Oh god, how do I don't explain this? Right. So in Merrick, right, Louis tries to kill himself, right? Basically, he burns himself. And he at that point disconnected himself from email because he died, but he came back. So at that point he didn't have that connection to email anymore, but he was still alive. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But that's that's what their explanation was. So they said that the only way that they could disconnect email from Lestat without him dying is to kill Lestat or stop his heart so you're disconnecting the cord attached to email and then kickstart his heart and bring him back to life and then take email away so email is now separate from all the vampires
1: sorry i'm not saying any words <laughs> because that makes so little i'm like i don't i don't understand surely that <laughs> contradicts what's come before though
0: well it does yeah yeah but she's come up with a an explanation for that obviously
1: well I mean, again, don't want to, to speak ill of the dead. i you know, big fan of her books, but I'm not I think not that's read. why
0: Louis, Louis said that when he took Maharet, the, the email from Maharet, and there was this, a point where you know it would, it, 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 they would feel it again, all the vampires, that he didn't feel anything. Louis was like, oh, I was fine, I didn't black out. So at that point, I knew I wasn't connected to him anymore. So I was fine.
1: But, right, so... <laughs> And, and you know, it's been a while since I've read the Queen oh, of the Damned geez. as
0: well. But I don't think any of our listeners are gonna know what the fuck we're talking about if they've not read the books, obviously.
1: Well that's fine. This'll this'll get them this'll really make them want to read all the books. <laughs> so Right. And yeah. Queen of the Damned, and it's been mm. a while, but not quite as long a while since I've read it, because you know I, I reread them like, you know, every so often. Mm-hmm. Is the whole point, not like he goes into her bloodstream, but then it's so overwhelming for her. That's why, or she was already vicious. Yeah. A vampire, she has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, when she turns her husband, it's almost like
0: diluting him.
1: Yeah, he's like, she's now like got 50% of him in her. Mm-hmm. And then every time they make a new vampire, it takes on part of. So that just literally doesn't make any sense because you can't then have as the explanation, like, oops, yep. turns out that actually I'm still fine because according to the like third book, if, <laughs> if he was removed from that line, if Amel was removed from that line, that means that all the vampires are dead because they're not vampires anymore. No they're, he went in,
0: he went into, no, they're still vampires because their body have been transformed by his his blood or his spirit. Part of his spirit transformed them. This plastination thing that he made the replomoids out of. So these replomoids are like robot things. Um, but if you cut off their arm, it creates another replomoid. So it's sort of like creating another vampire, except in replamoids. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got blood in them as well for some reason. It's just fucking weird. Like I say, it goes way off. Like there's a point in the books where there's a scientist vampire. There's a scientist vampire, which kind of makes sense. If yeah, that's right. I'm fine with that. If there's a scientist vampire, he wants to experiment with the cells and things and about what makes them vampires and what they can do and stuff. So he... This this made me laugh so much. I nearly threw the book across the, the, the room that, uh, when I read it. So he goes to Lestat and he says, by the way, Lestat, I've come up with a way of um, bringing your balls back to life, like your semen.
1: <laughs> I'm sure a major concern for all the mortals.
0: I've come up with a way that you can actually bang someone without having to you know, take over a human body. I can switch off. I can switch on the gene that makes you horny and so he ends up banging some human women as Lestat the vampire and he has a son called Victor out of that and then she becomes a vampire afterwards. It's just so <laughs> fucking stupid.
1: <laughs> I mean yeah that's although I suppose it's one of those things like you know what? further along into a book you get you kind of need to <laughs> inject new ideas but
0: yeah, but I always thought the whole point of them that they were dead they didn't have any semen in them so how can you reproduce I I, I thought they would only like if anything it would just like they have blood tears so
1: and again like why would you can... want to I think that's the weirder thing like surely that's not a big concern amongst vampires is like oh I don't yeah, have yeah because
0: then he turns his son into a vampire anyway later on you think um, he would want to keep him a, a human
1: surely it's not a big deal not to have a sex drive either because you know ace representation <laughs> like <laughs>
0: I don't know. But, like, if
1: you don't have a sex drive, you're not going to be like, oh, no, I don't have a sex drive, like, like because you're not going to be horny, so.
0: Well, I don't know. He's a mad vampire scientist that wants to experiment and see what he can do. Like, (laughs) you'd think he would try and find a way for them to walk about during the day, then, if you can do that. Yeah,
1: there's probably more um, pressing matters to be dealing with.
0: (laughs) Or maybe come up with, like, like they do in True Blood, like a synthetic blood, so that they don't have to go around killing everyone. I think maybe she couldn't do that at that point because that's Shirley to be fair still
1: pickling my head a little because i'm also now okay. thinking if email has been removed from everybody but email has bloodlust so email now gone so surely you no longer have bloodlust
0: he doesn't have bloodlust oh. um, no 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 they do they do still have blood. see this is what i don't understand
1: yeah so that again <laughs> they do the...
0: still yeah they do they're still all the vampire traits that they have but like Email's just not in control of them all. Like he's not there. Like if if he dies, then they don't all die
1: hmm.
0: because Lestat has cut Email off from the rest of them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Lasher. So
1: yes. <laughs> which is... what? What is what is Lasher? What's he all about?
0: In the novel Lasher, which came out in 1993 mayfair women who are the witches from the mayfair they're dying from hemorrhages so none of them could ever get pregnant if they got pregnant they would just die from hemorrhages a strange genetic anomaly has been found in rowan and michael michael's the guy that i was talking to you about that dies and then he marries into the mayfair witch family so lasher who was born from rowan is another species altogether and is now in the corporeal body Represents an incalculable threat to the Mayfair. So he's now got a body. No, it still doesn't really tell me who the fuck he is. Oh. Rowan and Lasher travel together to Houston and she becomes pregnant with another creature like him, a Taltos. So he's called a Taltos. Okay. And he wants to reproduce his race in other women, but they can't withstand it because they're not built, because they're not witches. Rowan escapes and then becomes comatose as her fully grown Taltos daughter is born, right? So that's it. She has a daughter. The Mayfairs declare all-out war on Lasher to try and nurse round back to health. I think I need to go back to the witching hour then. Yes. Like who Lasher is. It says a Taltos is a sorcerer from Hungarian folklore who combats evil witches and has the ability to detect them and extends this concept to create her own Taltos, a being born knowing what they need to survive independently and immediately upon birth, grow to be nearly seven feet tall and able to do everything adults are. Their brains are complex, they are hypnotized by music and are being a reason. So they that's what I was saying you give birth to them, they become immediately seven foot tall with long limbs and they know everything already. They're like and you know, when animals get birth to
1: kill witches.
0: Yeah, and then only witches
1: can give birth to them, that's confusing as well.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so their main purpose is to destroy witches, but then but all them. of their maws are witches.
0: But they need witches to give birth to them?
1: Yeah, surely if you wipe out all the witches, there's no more Tautosis Tautosai. <laughs> Tautosusu.
0: There is a transgender vampire in Blackwood Farm.
1: No, oh, I don't know that.
0: Yeah, I remember he she, she I I don't I I I don't know what they they um, made uh, I didn't like Blackwood Farm to be honest. That's when she merged the witches, the Mayfair Witches and the Vampire Chronicles in a crossover. So Quinn was one of the Mayfairs or he's related to the Mayfair's and he became a vampire. And then Lestat started going out with Rowan Mayfair, who I mentioned there, who gave birth to these Taltos things. <sighs> <laughs> oh
1: my God. Also, again, do you know what I think it actually is? Everything you say that Lestat's with the woman, I think it throws me because I don't actually think of him as bi, I think I just think of him as gay. He's not, though. I know, he's but
0: <laughs> pansexual. I think he'll just have anyone who intrigues him. Hmm they're not that's the thing about the vampire well i think pandora she's mostly into. I think no she's not she's kind of her own Her own woman base i don't think she really cares either way marius is a pedo yep let's face it marius is like one of the vampires i know who's like a roman but he loves little boys and i've argued with people on vampire chronicles forums about this that i don't agree with him even though he's a vampire that he likes little boys <laughs> No, I no. Mean, and they like, yeah, said a vampire, doesn't matter. They were like, God, Yeah, but in Roman, Roman times it was accepted back then. I'm like, Yeah, but it's not accepted now, so why should he carry on that way?
1: I mean so in, You are correct in that argument.
0: Right. For the Mayfair Witches series, the Witch in Era introduces the fictional Mayfair family of New Orleans, generations of male and female witches. It's a tight-knit and deeply connected family where a death of one strengthens the others with his or her knowledge. There's a lot of incest in this family as well, to be fair. <laughs> one Mayfair witch per generation is also designated to receive the powers of the man known as Lasher. Lasher gives the witches gifts, excites them and protects them. Unsure as to act exactly what this spirit is, the Mayfair clan knows him variously as a protector, a godlike figure, a sexual being... In the image of death, Lasher's current witch is Deirdre, who lies catatonic from psychological shock treatments. Deirdre's daughter, Rowan, who ends up involved with sap for some reason, has been spirited away from this evil and has happily become a neurosurgeon and has an uncanny gift to see the intent behind the facade. Rowan also has a gift few doctors possess. She can heal cells, yet though she uses it to save lives, she also fears that she's caused several deaths. She rescues Michael from drowning. Michael then develops some extraordinary powers that compel him to seek New Orleans and seek Rowan. He finds both, pulls the tail closer together by meeting people connected to the Mayfair family, who now fear Rowan because she is the first Mayfair who can kill without Lasher's help. What, by destroying cells or something? I can't remember. Michael dies in
1: the to- abilities or just kill generally. Like I don't know. You know if I wanted to, I could like Drive really a bus through your front in the front of your house empty you while you're on the couch. <laughs> I don't need lasher to help me do
0: that. <laughs> so he into the family and the history, uh, learning the history of the Mayfair witches, Deborah, Charlotte, Mary, Beth, Stella, and for many others across hundreds of years and three continents. When Michael loops up from his reading, he learns that Rowan has come to New Orleans to attend her mother's funeral. Rowan learns of her family history, her ancestral home in shambles, and lasher waiting for the next one. Rowan dedicates herself to stopping lasher's reign michael too has his own mission but it's foggy and unclear to him but lasher is seductively powerful and rounds gifts offer him the opportunity to. i don't know lasher seems to be like this spiritual thing he's got i always imagined him with a scottish accent because apparently that's where the witches originated in scotland which I thought was cool and then they moved over to america
1: is that why the witches that akasha kills are ginger <laughs>
0: maybe <Yeah. laughs> i don't know. I don't know. Other novels that Anne has, has done is she there was one that I enjoyed like, separate from the Vampire Chronicles. She she wrote a lot of porn as well. She wrote a lot of pornographic erotica.
1: I didn't what know did that I... until like literally the other day. I was unaware of that.
0: Yeah and there was a movie with Dan Aykroyd and fucking uh, Rosie O'Donnell and it called Exit to Eden which was made around about the same time as Interviewed a Vampire but it was a massive flop. It wasn't good. <laughs> Gary Marshall, the director of like Pretty Women and all that it. I'm
1: very thrown by the idea of erotica starring dana Aykroyd and rosie yeah. o'donnell
0: i watched a trailer for it and rosie o'donnell's like and all this fetish gear and stuff they're like undercover cops and they go to this place called eden which is like an island where everyone can just live out their sexual fantasies um and it's like a bdsm community and there's a guy that's involved in a smuggling run. And he yeah, just because involved.
1: both of them in my head are just comedy actors. so
0: No, because he tried to make it into a comedy. That's the thing. But I don't think it was originally a comedy, the book. It was just no, I don't think novel. you get comedy
1: erotica, do you?
0: No. <laughs> Dan Ockroyd, no thanks. <laughs> Even Rosie O'Donnell. And, uh, um, well, she also wrote, I've not read any of her pornographic novels, but there was the Sleeping Beauty series as well which was just like all her fantasies and things in a novel that she couldn't do in reality, but she wanted to do in her fantasy, sexual life or whatever. Why not? And then she wrote a historical novel called Cry to Heaven, which was about eunuchs, about um, Castrati, which I thought was brilliant. I loved that book. There was a film that I watched I thought was based on that book, but it's not. It's just a coincidence. Very Mm. similar, though. It was about a, a, a boy who was basically castrated to go into to be a singer you know there, there are such yes. a thing as that in the 18th century
1: that's what um, would have happened to Justin Bieber if we lived in the 18th yeah, century yeah. not as a weird joke it is literally like if you have a very nice high-pitched voice they would cut off your balls to cut off your balls to make sure yeah. that you
0: don't reach puberty and you have like a really strange feminine voice but it was about this boy that got that that done to him but against his will again and his revenge on um, basically whoever did that to him um, and then but he still has sex with people he's just not got any balls but <laughs> he can still get an erection and stuff which i find fascinating I mean, and that master. explored that explored sort of masculinity and what what that meant you know if you've if you've been castrated does that make you any less or more of a man or whatever you know what does that make you as a eunuch so i thought that was very an interesting one and then there was servant of the bones which was a ghost story uh, about an ancient a guy in ancient, I don't know, Pavilonia or something, and he got there was a ritual where he got melted down into some golden bones and he had to haunt those bones forever or something, and he escaped them. <laughs> I don't know, it was a weird one. I never read any of the wolf ones, so she did werewolves as well. No, I
1: didn't know she did wolf ones until...
0: The wolf gift, it was called. About but.
1: 10, 15 minutes ago when you told me that.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've covered vampires, aliens, witch, witches, ghosts, vampire ghosts,
1: Seven foot tall witch hunting
0: Blasher baby
1: telco. creatures.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember when I read that. That when they were born, they were very squidgy, like they were still like newborns, but they were seven foot tall, and you could smash their skulls in like uh, a watermelon. You know, you know how babies have that soft bit in their head.
1: When yes, they're born? the fontanelle.
0: Yeah. Well, they had be that a lovely if name.
1: Were... If it like wasn't the bit that you smash, that you can smash the baby's head.
0: I'm sure our daughter got her head panned in. Like that, oh, and then they buried her in the garden. I don't know, but it was weird. <laughs> I, went, I think I should go back and read them. I've got the, I've got last year and I've got Taltos. I don't have the Witching Hour though. I think the Witching Hour is the best one, but there is some dodgy shit in it. Like Michael bangs Mona, who is one of the Mayfair witches, and they always have red hair. The ones with the red—it's the ones with red hair that are the ones that are more powerful. So, if you're ginger,
1: yeah, you're a powerful witch. into the. Yes. Yeah. And also, yeah, we were talking
0: about transgender people being, like, in some cultures, they're considered, like, wizards and magical people. Yeah. Anne Rice said that to one of her fans who wrote in, who came out as gay to her, and then later on said that he was now transgender, um, male to female, and she said, don't worry about it, because a lot of them, a lot of transgender people throughout, like, history have always been considered, like, godlike or magical people, so just consider yourself one of them.
1: I suppose it's so that you're, again, kind of like talking about her being in touch with the, the, even in the like 70s, being in touch with the idea that there are no like binaries and they're just made up by society. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's kind of like, you are more in touch with reality if you transcend gender because it's just a yeah, concept anyway.
0: Exactly. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to when she distanced herself from Christianity because um, I think I remember when she went back to the
1: Catholic camp- I really wanted to show bye bye Jesus and I held my breath not. There. No, you should now have she, to wait I, just- that I went to shout bye bye Jesus.
0: <laughs> no, because it really liked- she she also wrote a book about the mulattoes called um Feast of All Saints, which I haven't read and it was about the mulatto community in New Orleans in the sort nineteenth of century, I think. You know how they were their communities and things she said she, she felt she knew more about them than anyone when she did research into it and that was made into a mini tv series but i've never seen it she also when she went back to catholicism wrote two books about christ one was called christ the lord and the other one was about like it was about jesus as a boy as a young boy growing up and then i think there was a sequel to that where he was a teenager i've never but read I, I was books about jesus
1: read. but i knew that she'd written books yeah from the perspective of jesus which is um, interesting
0: it was called christ the lord out of egypt (laughs) but i remember at the time she said she renounced all her vampire novels and she she felt that they were evil and and i felt so betrayed by that i was like how could she do this when and then i kept thinking how the fuck can she say that when her son is gay and the catholic church are so against homosexuality like how can she do that so later on in 2010 She came back like I say. I think she came back from the depths of like I don't know religion, which made me happy. Um, she said in July twenty eighth, twenty ten, she publicly announced her disdain for the current state of Christianity on her Facebook page. She said today I quit being a Christian. I remain committed to Christ as always, but not to not being Christian or to being part of Christianity. It's simply impossible for me to belong in this quarrelsome, hostile. Disputatious and deservedly infamous group. For ten years, I've tried. I failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will allow nothing else. My faith in she said my faithful my faith in Christ is central to my life. My conversion from a pessimistic atheist, lost in a world I didn't understand, to an optimistic believer in a universe created and sustained by a loving God, crucial to me. But following Christ does not mean following his followers. Christ is infinitely more important than Christianity, and always will be no matter what Christianity is, has been, or may have come. No, but she said something else. I'm sure she said something else like, other than she says, I'm, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm sure she said that.
1: I think even anyway. that's an interesting point, though, because I think yeah. we've discussed this on here before, but I do always think it's interesting, like the whole religious obsession with church and stuff, when mm-hmm. the Bible itself basically says you don't have to build a church, you don't have to attend a church. Like that's not what God's asking you to do. It's just that God wants you to show like your respect to God or when it's, you know, the New Testament, but it's like your respect to Jesus by pretty much what Anne Rice said. Mm-hmm. Which basically means that Anne Rice's book about Jesus should be the new Bible. That's the point I'm going for. <laughs> Burn your Bible, read Anne Rice's books about Jesus.
0: I haven't read them. I just refuse to read them. I just don't. I, think,
1: I mean, yeah, um, I've not read them either. Know, I'm advising people to read are. them. They could be like really awful. I don't know.
0: I guess that's why I liked her character Pandora because she wrote Pandora as someone who's like, well, I don't know Jesus. Jesus is nothing to me. Christianity doesn't mean anything to me because she came from Roman times and she worshipped Isis. She's like, Jesus isn't my God. Yeah. Which, as a vampire, I thought was was quite, or as a woman, I thought was quite an interesting thing to say. Yeah, I liked.
1: I think it was this. Obviously, was not written by Anne Rice, but I feel like it's kind of almost. Partially inspired by her whole like religious symbols don't affect vampires at all, where they have the thing where like a religious symbol can affect a vampire, but only if it's a religious symbol being worn or like used by a person of that faith, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, like, a well, cross would only affect you if it was being used by a staunch Christian, because it's not yeah. to being an actual god, it's to do with like your belief. Yeah, they, yeah. the power of their belief or That's like,
0: true.
1: yeah, power within them. Like, there was oh, a joke what's your belief is affecting you?
0: There was a joke in Roman Polanski's about The Fearless Vampire Killers, which I know mean, Roman Polanski's a piece of shit, but anyway, and uh, one of the He's vampires... Joking. Yeah, <laughs> he, he fucking was, yeah. And so the, the one of the vampires gets a cross presented to him and he goes ha ha ha, wrong religion, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> right, here's a message that I was thinking of that she said she said, In the name of Christ, I refuse to be anti-gay, I refuse to be anti-feminist, I refuse to be anti-artificial birth control, I refuse to be anti-democrat, I refuse to be anti-secular humanism, I refuse to be anti-science, I refuse to be anti-life. In the name of Christ, I quit Christianity and being Christian, amen, (laughs) which is quite fun.
1: That is fun, and then it's interesting with the later interview that I said where she was talking about the current mm. pope. That actually he is pro Francis. Yeah, mainly so like, it
0: was Pope Ratzinger that pushed her over the fucking edge. Do you know what I mean? Which makes
1: sense. Like, um, I mean, I consider myself to be Christian, but certainly of all the leaders of the Catholic Church, of all the leaders of the Catholic Church in the time I've been alive, of all three of them, but um, like he, I mean, he is actually evil. So it must have been difficult for her to. Go back to the church and try to look for the positives in it and then for the church to fall under the control of, as we've discussed on here before, that Nazi. Like,
0: and her son was getting right yeah. off of people for it.
1: And then it must be weird for her, which I suppose just does show the weirdness of Catholicism itself, that she's then left the church once again. And now it's been run by somebody who would agree with all of the points that she's made there
0: yeah so she didn't go back to atheism she just said that she's not into dogmatic religion which um which i think yeah i I agree with if you're gonna have if you're religious be religious on your own personal relationship terms don't follow a leader leaders are cults
1: yeah more like
0: buddhism or something i was watching south park the other day just in your old episodes and i was watching the one where it was like satan and he's got a condominium like, he's got condominiums and, like, a yacht and stuff. Princess Diana was down there and they were having a party. Right? They were having, like, a Hawaiian party or something.
1: <laughs> just, yeah, they like,
0: are. Remember? And he's got a boyfriend called, was it, Steve? Yeah. And then Zazam Hussein comes back and he's trying to get Satan to go out with him again. And then it just made me think <laughs> about how stupid the whole thing was. Like, when... Because, yeah, because Cartman was, because Faber Maxi was starting to say that everyone is going to go to hell if they don't behave and stuff like that. Whereas, whereas Satan's actually just more concerned about who he's going out with. No, and then he goes up to heaven and they said that the only people who are allowed in heaven anyway are Mormons. Yes. <laughs> You know, like you see all the people in hell, and there's like 8,000 8, million of them right or down there, they're all waiting to get processed. But Satan's too upset because he can't decide between Steve and Saddam Hussein. So, like, the the guy who's trying to process them, I was like, Hey, they're Satan, and all right, well, maybe later you'll come back. And they were all saying, Yeah, but I, I, followed, I followed Christianity all my life. Why am I down here? And he was like, Yeah, I'm a Buddhist, and why am I here? And he's like, what thought we were the right religion? He's like, no, it's the Mormons. <laughs> They're the only one. <laughs> and then he sends Satan sends Saddam Hussein to get rid of him to heaven because because being in heaven with a bunch of Mormons who are really boring is like his idea of hell.
1: Yeah, it's like the ultimate punishment <laughs> for anyone.
0: Yeah, and God's like this hippo platypus thing. I don't know what the fuck he is. <laughs> it's like an animal with a, a lizard's tongue. And he goes to Satan, oh, for fuck's sake, Satan, I thought you would have learned by now why you've been such a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't decide between Steve and Saddam, why don't you just be your own man? <laughs> so, yeah, basically, I think that the South Park have nailed the whole stupid religion thing down.
1: Yes, and like, all future vampire love. novels written by any new novelist should be based around some of the South Park view of religion.
0: Yeah. And then we think, oh, why is Jesus around if, like, I just actually think Satan's so funny in South Park. I really love it. I love that he's one one of my favourite fictional characters in anything. So I mean, in in their world, we're going to hell. So I want to book one of his condominiums. (laughs) Just Satan, he's gone down his his yacht and have Hawaiian parties.
1: (laughs) I want to hang out with the demon, a Mel and ask him what the fuck's going on.
0: He's not a demon. He's an alien
1: from
0: a different planet who says to to um. Three Atlantis.
1: I feel like I'm like an old lady, like talking about a trans person. Where I'm like, I don't care what Amel calls himself <laughs> now. When I knew him he was a demon, he <laughs> can call himself an alien all he likes, but he's a demon. See,
0: that's the problem with us old school Anne Rice fans. We just can't accept the change. Yes, <laughs> we can't
1: accept
0: that.
1: And especially because we read it when we were younger. Like I think everything's yeah. so much more of a betrayal when you're younger. Even exactly. the fact that like the novel. Shifts perspective or the novel shift perspective depending on who the main character is that like kind of pissed me off when i was younger because i was like what well you don't be- know what the truth is like you know well, the way he that
0: he used to focus on louis and then it was just all about the start
1: yeah what but not, not that like it pissed me off but like it just whoever it's focusing on the story if it kind of overlaps slightly it'll always be like their retelling of the story it's like an unreliable narrator story and for well, some reason that- I
0: think Anne Rice forgot the continuity of her books oh I forgot how could I forget of all the myths that she wrote about she also wrote about mummies
1: yes the mummy
0: the mummy and, and the mummy mummy that, fame. her last book that will be published posthumously now it was co-offered by her son Christopher and he co-offered the last mummy book and um, with her as well it was called, um, the first one was called The Mummy, which she just wrote herself. The second one was The Mummy and the Madness of Cleopatra or something. And then the next one's going to be The Mummy and the Reign of Osiris. I preferred the first book. When I read the sequel, I was just like, Man, I hate this. I've not read it. I'm like, not really. I'll, I'll probably read the last Mummy book, but I don't know if I'll enjoy it.
1: <laughs> You're allowed to, again, it's, it's fine.
0: Uh, maybe it's kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I just I actually found the the mummy books just really pretentious and overly. Maybe just because I can't stand whimsy anymore, and I've lost the the whole the the magic and romanticism of Anne Rice novels. I think the first four books will always be my favorite, and Pandora's one of my favorites. But after that, I just can I just I just didn't like them. Hmm. Didn't like where she took the characters. It's what it got more and more stupid, and ridiculous with the whole aliens thing. And I mean, yeah, every time you say
1: aliens I do like cringe, like my shoulders go up to my ears yeah. and, yeah. like,
0: oh. <laughs> 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 and the fact they're called replomoids just makes me cringe. I just I mean I mean I'll oh God, I mean I'll be ever grateful for Anne Rice for opening up my eyes to loads of art, different art, Rembrandt. I would never really got into Rembrandt if it wasn't for Anne Rice and all different kinds of artists and in music like classical music that i wasn't really into before i started reading Anne rice novels and getting interested in mythology like she'd written about but i was into vampires before i started reading Anne rice that just kind of brought me in a new direction i would say and made but me same, i think more...
1: yeah a lot of the things that are important to us mm-hmm. do if we kind of trace it back come from her novels which yeah I'd
0: say so she has shaped my life in a big way like I don't know what kind of person I'd be if I hadn't read her novels that sounds really strange but I don't honestly don't think I would be the same person I am today if I hadn't found her novels so I think it was fated it was probably meant to be and then I wanted to be like spread the word to everyone I wanted everyone to experience that world everyone I was friends with I would insist they watch the movie I would insist they read the books uh, yeah so I got you into it I tried to get Nikki into it I remember Jacqueline Spencer and I would watch it she got enthralled my parents got really worried about me because I was obsessed <laughs> with the novels <laughs> to the point where my mum actually took them and threw them in the bin thinking that they were having some sort of terrible hold on me and I was like no what are you doing <laughs> I was a bit obsessive but at the same time I think it's really molded me as a person and I've grown as a person as having a result of read them um it actually got me reading a lot more than I mean, I love reading books, but it got me into other novels. So
1: yeah. I think, I feel like uh, so that's, that's a good point to kind of wrap up on because yeah. I think that's a it's a lovely eulogy to Anne.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sad that she's gone, but unfortunately she's not immortal. But Lestat but I think Anne will live on through Lestat because Lestat is based on herself. She said that Lestat was basically her as a man or like that was everything that she wanted to do but couldn't he did all the things that she wasn't able to do herself or wasn't didn't have the guts to do herself
1: that's weirdly beautiful
0: i think is awesome And, and her son will continue her legacy they're going to have a celebration of her in new orleans in january she's going to be put in the family crypt alongside her husband and her daughter and you know she always thought. She always wondered. She always had a sense of wonder about what is beyond this life, or you know what is. She was obsessed with death. I think about what is on the other side, and you know, exploring different religions and things like that. So yeah, hopefully she'll or uh, she'll either discover that it's just nothing, and she won't know any better, or she'll find the answer she was looking for that we all eventually will. Then you know, when we go.
1: Maybe it'll be Undersea aliens.
0: Yeah, maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs> She's in another dimension somewhere. Aww. So God bless her. And yeah, I would if you haven't read any of Anne Rice's novels, give it a shot. Start with an interview of vampire and Yes. Yeah. And yeah, just I would just encourage you to do it. It'd be it'd be wonderful. Or just watch the movie and don't watch Queen of the Dam, that's shite. Yes. So <laughs> So next week, we are, resi- I mean, we're, we're going to be doing another offer, obviously, like Stephen King, but we're not going to be, I don't think we're going to be licking his ass as much as we have Anne Rice's
1: today. Probably not. No. But I'm sure he would be fine with that, the mad old Coke bag that he
0: has. I do like him. I think he's crazy. Yeah, he
1: seems like he'd be fun.
0: And his son just looks just like him as well. I've he really him. does. Yeah, it's weird. But I would say him and Anne Rice are probably up there as the most successful horror, supernatural writers of all time. Yeah. yeah. So we're just going to be focusing on, like, the myths behind Stephen King's novels, not really about him himself.
1: Yeah, we're not if going you, to look you at
0: have anything, Mark, yet about about what you're going to do?
1: I don't know. I'm thinking of maybe the, not it, as in what goes on in the story, but as you say, like, the kind of myth behind that, the kind of idea of interdimensional aliens. alien <laughs> or beings. The well, both of them, because the turtle thing and um, Pennywise are both interdimensional aliens. So okay. so I'm thinking that might be what I'm looking at next week. I haven't really decided yet, but that's where there's my brain so is mostly so really going. Is There really is. There's so many things that we could look at to do with them. But I think I might yeah. be doing a bit of a, an interdimensional alien being thing.
0: All right, then. well, thanks for listening. And um, rest in peace, Anne Rice. Thank you so much. Yes, we love you. We love you, and hopefully your son will, like Christopher, will just carry on your legacy. And, I mean, his novels are good as well, so check them out. He's got some gay romance novels you might be interested in, Mark. Not always. <laughs> okay, well, we'll speak to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Christopher. Next.